O Lord, our Maker, Redeemer, and Comforter, we are assembled in your presence to hear your holy word. We pray you to open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that through the preaching of your word, we may be taught to repent of our sins, to believe on Jesus in life and death, and to grow day by day in grace and holiness. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen. The Old Testament lesson is recorded in Jeremiah chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. Here ends the Old Testament lesson. The epistle is recorded in Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, the 12th chapter beginning at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diver differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Here ends the epistle lesson. The Holy Gospel is recorded in the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 19th chapter, beginning 
at verse 41. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him, and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior.
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, by your Holy Spirit you have revealed to us the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. We beseech you so to enliven our hearts that we may sincerely receive your word and not make light of it or hear it without fruit, but that we may fear you and daily grow in faith in your mercy and finally obtain eternal salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. Our sermon text is the Old Testament lesson recorded in Jeremiah chapter 7. Let us hear again verse 11 in Jesus' name. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. Fellow redeemed. This reading today from Jeremiah was appointed to go with the gospel lesson. Jesus quotes these words from Jeremiah as justification for driving out the merchants and money changers from the temple. His act of driving them from the temple, which he did twice, both at the beginning and the end of his ministry, has received various interpretations. Some have construed it to mean that Jesus was opposed to capitalism. Some have used it as a reason to discourage ladies' aid bazaars and other fundraisers in the church. But such interpretations are superficial and miss the point of Christ's actions. The word of God recorded by Jeremiah has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes, refers to something other than the practice of church fundraising, and a look at this lesson helps us understand it better. Rather, Jesus' quotation of this passage gets to the heart of the question, why gather in God's house? In the Lord's message through the prophet Jeremiah, we find the answer may be summed up simply as just words. The Lord explains that we gather in God's house not to hear just empty words, but words that make you just. Why do we gather in God's house? Not to hear just empty words. Imagine coming to church one Sunday, and instead of the usher or greeter shaking your hand and telling you good morning, you are met by a prophet. Instead of greeting you, he starts yelling at you, calling you to repent, even before you've taken your pew. Maybe you wonder if this guy is crazy. Like those who shout apocalyptic messages at crowds dispersing from public events. Maybe you'd think, who does he think he's talking to? I'm here at church. The ones who need his message are the ones who are at home, sleeping or skipping church. But this is exactly what God sent Jeremiah to do. God positioned Jeremiah at the temple gate so that the prophet could confront those who came to services there. What they heard must have startled them. Jeremiah commanded them to amend their ways. 
They believe that their great building ensured their relationship with the Lord. They thought that a fine worship center, high attendance, and good offerings are all that God requires. Sadly, they place their faith in a building, not in God. Every Sunday we confess, I believe in the Holy Christian Church. What picture comes to mind when you say these words? Do you picture a building with a steeple, pews, and stained glass windows? That is what the Lord warns Israel against in our text. Do not trust in these lying words saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. This phrase repeated over and over again was just empty words. The temple of the Lord, the church, is not just a building. Rather, it is all believers in Christ. We are reminded of that by the next phrase in the Apostles' Creed, the communion of saints, that the church is the assembly of believers, those who are righteous by faith in Christ. The phrase communion of saints in the original language may also be translated participation in holy things. This gets to the heart of why we gather in God's house to partake of the holy things God has given to us, his word and sacraments, through which we receive forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. God's people in Jeremiah's time forgot the purpose for which the Lord had given them the temple. They had begun to view the temple as an amulet or good luck charm, offering them sure protection. They had put the building above the builder, the creature before the creator. Even worse, they felt they were doing God a favor by maintaining the temple and offering sacrifices. In this way, they had entirely reversed the purpose for which God had established the temple. Instead of coming to the temple as penitents, in sorrow over sin, praying to receive pardon and grace from the Lord, they came unrepentant, demanding what they felt God owed them. They misused the temple and used the priest as judge in legal disputes in order to steal from the helpless. They were confident that no one could touch them. Their confidence was misplaced. They would not allow his name, the Lord would not allow his name to be used in vain. They were used to calling on God when it was convenient and when they had a need and ignoring God when things were good. They used his house for whatever purpose struck their fancy, even when it was a purpose for which he had expressly forbidden the use of his house. They ignored him in their daily lives and even in their worship and did the very things he had commanded them not to do. They acted as if he did not exist or he could not see them until they got in over their heads and real trouble came a-calling. And then they were all pious and called on God. When the prophets warned them of the dangers of what they were doing, they would hide behind who they were or who they were supposed to be and the fact that they had the temple of God among them. The Lord says, if you are really my people, 
act like it. Don't just claim the name Christian, but be a Christian. Change your ways and live justly. Do what you know is right. Evil comes easily enough to the slothful and spiritually lazy. Don't listen to deceptive words which say you can serve the Lord without listening to his word, attempting to comfort yourselves by saying, the temple of the Lord is this, we belong to a church, when his word is being ignored or perverted. Consider for a moment some of the things which go on today under the guise of Christianity. Church bodies, which can't decide whether it's wrong to kill unborn babies or not, but leave it up to each individual to decide. Church bodies, which have decided the Bible's mistaken in its condemnation of homosexuality, sexist and wrong in its commandment forbidding female pastors. Churches, which have decided that the only way for them to grow in America is to forsake the clear teachings of the scriptures, promote themselves as organizations for charity and self-improvement, defenders of everybody's right to be and to do whatever they please to find personal happiness. The words of Paul to Timothy are being fulfilled before our very eyes. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And of course, the most prevalent hypocrisy of thinking that it is God who somehow needs us, and that we're the ones doing him a big favor with our good looks, personality, good ideas, service, and money, and not we who really need God and his mercy, his cleansing baptism, his preaching of grace, his precious body and blood given and shed for the forgiveness of sins. True prayer flows from a heart which needs God, needs his saving word, guidance, and blessing. False Hypocritical prayer flows from the self-contented, proud heart, which feels no real need for God. Such is the den of robbers, both the Old Testament prophets and New Testament apostles condemn. The words of Isaiah 29 come to mind. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. The explanation to the small catechism reminds us that we despise preaching in God's word, not only by not going to church, but also by going to church, but not listening, and by going and listening, but not doing. How does your life reflect your faith? Do you stop to consider who God is and what he expects from you? Or do you just figure that God owes something to you because you call yourself a Lutheran and count your blessings as entitlements? Have you stopped to consider the seriousness of sin? Look at the price God paid to set you free. So do you then casually wander back into sin as though it really means nothing? God has to take you any way he finds you, right? 
just like it doesn't matter which church you belong to or how often you worship or whether you have any respect or regard for those God sets among you for your teaching and encouragement. What is it that your life says about God and his place in your life? Does it say that you know the rich grace of God and how little you deserve his forgiveness and salvation? Or does your life say that you really haven't thought about it? Are you a Christian or a pretender? A lot of people call themselves Christian, but for many, it is just an empty word. It doesn't shape their life. It's just another brand name label in their wardrobe. Christians live in connection with Christ. It means that we cannot live or choose without taking Jesus Christ into account. Truth is what he tells us it is, and right and wrong are determined less by public opinion and more by God's clearly revealed will. If these things are yours, they are not just empty words. They show themselves in how you live. That brings us back to the question, why gather in God's house? Not to hear just empty words, but to hear words that make you just. Jeremiah reminded the people that the primary reason to go to church is to hear the word of God. He invites the people saying, hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. In our worship, God speaks to us as his word is preached and read and visibly proclaimed through the sacraments. God's house bears his name. This doesn't mean only that it is called by his name, but that it is the place where his name dwells. God's name is all that he has revealed to us about himself, that he is a God of free grace and mercy. The purpose of temple worship and of our worship today is to give us an opportunity to meet with our God, to learn to know him, and to receive abundantly of his grace. What is God's message to us? Amend your ways and your doings. These are words that call for repentance and faith. In case we want to let ourselves off the hook, not seeing where we have stolen, murdered, committed adultery, sworn falsely, or followed idols, the Ten Commandments search our hearts. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, employer, or employee? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt anyone by your words or deeds? Have you neglected, wasted anything, or done any harm? We all stand condemned under God's law. But then the, in the gospel, God speaks words that make you just. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. We are not saved by what we do or how we behave. We are made just by Jesus and what he has done. He has carried our sins to the cross. He has died an ugly death on an instrument of torture 
in our place. He has borne the wrath of God against our sins so that we might be forgiven. He has done what needed to be done. And now he pours out forgiveness of sins and life and salvation upon us. Those riches are received by grace through faith so that he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Having heard the words that make us just, we respond with prayers and praise. Again, these aren't just empty words, nor are our Christian lives lived here in church. God doesn't need our works. Our neighbor does. Our religion is practiced out in the world. As the Apostle James writes, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. God alone can declare a person just and save us from our sins. God alone is the judge of all people. His judgment of what is right and wrong is supreme and final. It's not our task to cure all the evils in the world or an external Christendom. But as Jeremiah writes, it's our task to reform our own ways, our own actions, turn to the Lord, and trust him to forgive our sins, to guide us in faith and life, and to give us hope. And this is what makes sinners assault, light, leaven, a good influence for this dying world. May we all hear the word of the Lord and continue to amend our ways and our doings in true repentance before God, who sees all, who saves those who call on his name. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. Thank you.